Next Chapter Podcasts. The song is next to you. And let me tell you guys something. If you're going to introduce your band to the world, this is the song to do it. It's by The Police. It's off their 1978 album, Outlandis de Amour. It's also number 428 out of 500 on the Spotify Ridge, the 500 with me, the King Cadougal, Josh Adam Myers, reporting live from his quarantine bunker where the only contact he's had in three days has been his Doberman named Lekka. And let me tell you, I think there's going to be a mutiny. The dog has been looking at me weird. And uh, I don't know, guys. I'm feeling a little triggered. I hope everybody out there is okay. I hope you guys got food. I hope you guys are not sick. If you are sick, quarantine. Stay away from people. Listen to these records, man. We got 500 albums. You can do... Some 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 homework that's not for months, man. Listen to the records that are on this Rolling Stone magazine list of the 500 greatest albums as we journey all the way down, man. I can promise you guys we are going to continue making this. We are going to be doing a lot of them remotely. So from people's homes, we're going to Skype in, we're going to send them equipment, and we're going to make sure that we do not miss a week. And hopefully we get like insanely huge guests because they're not doing anything. Neither am I. That's a perfect marriage to skadoodle yo manoodle. All right, let's find out about this record, guys. Released on November 2nd, 1978 on AM Records, this is the debut self-produced album by The Police. It's also the second of four records that are on this list. And if you haven't heard us do Synchronicity, that was episode 448. We recorded it live at JFL Toronto with my main man, Dan Soder. But here is the story of The Police. While on tour with his prog rock band Curved Air, ugh, In 1978, drummer Stuart Copeland met Sting, who at that point was known as Gordon Sumner, who played bass and lead vocals in the jazz rock fusion band Last Exit. Boy, these names aren't that good. Shortly after meeting, Sting and Stuart played with former prog rock band Gong bassist Mike Howlett and his band Strontium 90, which featured a veteran guitarist named Andy Summers. Can I be honest? Those band names are horrible. Curved Air, Last Exit, Gong. The shit stick on top is Strontium 90. What's your band's called? Dude, we're Flaming Areolas. That's a terrible name. All right. Summers was about 10 years older than the other guys and played in popular British R&B, psychedelic, and acid rock bands throughout the 60s. Sting and Stewart grabbed Andy to play guitar for the police. His inventive playing meddled perfectly with Sting's jazzy bass chops and Stewart's ability to play world beat rhythms. With a budget of only 1,500 pounds borrowed from Miles Copeland, the band's manager, Outlandis was recorded over six months at Surrey Sound Studio whenever there was free time or another band's sessions were canceled. Copeland would stop in to listen to what they were recording and hated most of it until he heard Sting's love song to a prostitute, Rock Xanacles. 
He loved it so much, he immediately took it to A&M Records and got them to release it as a single. Although Roxanne did not initially do well, their follow-up Can't Stand Losing You was a hit. This hit single secured the release of their debut record, which Miles originally wanted them to call Police Brutality. But after hearing Roxanne, thought it needed a more romantic title, so he proposed a loose French translation of Outlaws of Love. That's what it means? Oh, makes sense. Atlantis Day Amour, Outlaws of Love. Yeah, I don't know why I'm so dumb, I didn't even realize that. Outlandos being a combination of the words outlaws and commandos and diamore meaning of love. Sting wrote every song in the album outside of one co-write with Stewart and Andy. By 1979, Outlandos Diamore was on both the UK and Billboard charts. And many years later, the police were the biggest band in the world. And I have the biggest comedian that I think has been on this show. I think he's like 6'9". My guest today is the one and only Matt Bronger. Matt is one of the funniest people that I know. You know Matt from his stand-up special on Amazon Prime, Matt Bronger, finally live in Portland. Also, he's got a brand new comedy album out called Please Hold Me, available wherever you get your music, so get it on Spotify. He's also got an incredible podcast. It's called This Might Help. It was formerly Advice from a Dipshit with Matt Bronger. And uh, this was an album he wanted to do. He was like, I'm a huge police fan. Let's rock. I was like, perfect. This was a fun episode. You guys are going to enjoy it. Rate, review, and most importantly, subscribe to The 500 on Spotify. Follow me at Josh Adam Myers on all social media. Email the podcast at 500podcast at gmail.com. Follow the Facebook group at the 500 Podcast with Jam and the 500 Podcast fan page. And for all things 500, go to our website, the500podcast.com. Well, guys, nothing left to say, but here we go. With number 428 out of 500. With Outlanders Dear More by the Police. We are mad, mad <laughs> We are mad, mad Fuck yeah, dude. Yep. You hit the note. <laughs> I tried to harmonize, but I realized you were already going high. So I, I went, I went high. You took low. Um, so tell me, because like, we went through this. We were trying to find a record for you to get on. Yeah. And you saw the police. And mm-hmm. you're like, dude, this one. Yes. So how did that come about? Well, like, the, the police, I mean, this this album, well, we'll get to it. But it's like way before my time, even though I'm, I think I'm, I'm definitely older than you. But, um, 40? 45. Fuck and yeah. so, uh, uh, but I look older than you. I remember. <laughs> I'd say I we're about even, on. man. Yeah. Yeah, I think. But I remember hearing the police and just being like, <laughs> like who having that that in, immediate visceral. This is awesome. Who the hell are these guys? And I remember also going, I don't know how you write music like that. And not that I knew how to write music, but it was almost like alien math. Like the way that it's it was punk and reggae at the same time, and this guy sounded like an alien. 
and it was very sparse. Sting is and an alien. Was, he is an alien. Without a doubt, he's uh, an alien. He's going to outlive. He's going to be like the new Keith Richards. With, with an English lit degree from, from Oxford. Exactly. He's the has only a, alien that has instead a of castle. Like, has a castle, a moat. Commands hawks with his mind. <laughs> but like, I, I think that guy, Like I, I just remember hearing it, and I just locked in. It's that kind of thing when you hear something for the first time and go, ooh, like what exactly is this? What did you hear first? Uh, I think the first song I heard by them was... Uh, I, I first one I remember is Roxanne because I had an older cousin. Really, and, and she t- she was like, "This is the greatest song that is out right now." And I was like, "You know, when like an older person you think is cool or it says something, and like, listen to this." Yeah. Like I had a friend who uh, uh, had these, who who's his older sisters used to babys- babysit for us, and they were maniacs. Like they wore not. Um, not silver nail polish, steel, steel colored nail polish, and they loved Ozzy Osbourne. I was horrified. Were they of the them. wonderful women of but wrestling, they were like, like basically <laughs> without the makeup. Yeah, but they wear like those baseball shirts. Remember those shirts? I'm that, related uh, to the to the wrestling duo Demolition. Pretty much, by the way. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and and so that like when they were like listen to Ozzy, I'm like Ozzy's great. And yeah, Ozzy is great. But. I remember my cousin being like, this is the greatest song ever. And I was listening to it, and it was that thing of like, I don't know what's singing right now. I don't, I don't know if that's a man or a woman. I don't know if that's an animal. That, that could be a coyote yeah. that knows how to speak English, yeah. you know? Uh, and just the sparseness of it and how, like, and then I just was like, all right, I got to hear everything by these, by these guys. How and old so are you at this time? I was probably, I want to say I was like seven or eight. Uh, and this was well after this song came out. Oh yeah. She just she would have certain songs and be like that that's my favorite song. That's my and she would have that same song for like years. Like she'd listen to other stuff but I should remember but because that song was so unique. Yeah. And also I remember you know, I was a huge uh, Eddie Murphy guy, still am, and like when Forty Eight Hours Forty Eight Hours yeah. was just singing it in the in the I think that was the first time that I heard Roxanne mm-hmm. was from Eddie Murphy. Yep. Yep. I, I have sort of the same well not like somebody introduced him to me. I always just like Music of the 80s was introduced to me in my parents' car <laughs> leaving the my they used to go to this place called Athletic Express and I'd be in the back seat and that's where I hear heard Tears for Fears. Oh yeah. That's where I heard The Police. So what yeah. was the song? Um uh the the real creepy one. Of uh, Every Breath You Take. Yes. Yes, the, the Which the, we already did. The Stalker uh, uh championship song of all time. Which yeah. we already we already did that record mm-hmm. and so Great record. It, it, great. Yes. I won't say it's not. It is a it is a very good record. I don't think it's as good as this one. No, no, not at all. That's Mm-mm. a that's a good state. So why so why this record and like and how did this record you know get more <laughs> the, into the your thing life? about the police? Like I I, I I'm kind of into stuff that I'm not. I tend to get along with everybody. I, I try to find the good in people. I yeah. do get angry at and and stuff, but like, and for oh, the most part, Adolf Hitler! You know, I just like he's. I can't find dresser. the good he's in him. Good, he's a good dresser. I've tried. <laughs> yeah, he wasn't. Yeah, but like they were crisp. He knew how to unite. Yeah, he knew how to unite. <laughs> I'll, I'll give him that. That Hugo Boss made a nice suit, but uh, no, it, it, they 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 hated each other. The police and they were like uh, a sparse trio. That I think in their minds, and they weren't wrong. Each of them was like, "I'm a badass. What am I doing with these two losers?" And I'm not saying the other guys were losers, but it was just. There's no song they have that's like, "Hey, we're doing great, guys. Everything's good. Like yeah. everything is. Wh- stop fucking other guys, please, Roxanne. Yeah. Uh, I can't stand losing you. I'm gonna kill myself. I'm so lonely. Like every song, it, with the exception <laughs> of like Born in the '50s, is just anxiety and it's harsh." But they're so good. Like, they're so good at their instruments. Sting is such a good and unique singer. Yeah. There's nobody like them. Is that thing where you have you have certain bands 
that you're like, you know, just like in comedy, you're like, oh, fuck. I don't want to follow Jessica Kirshen, man. She just destroys. She'll crush. She's, She'll she's unique. And then I but, have all my jokes but are it's, crap. And it's, I don't... But you're better following that person that destroys. Or like Bill Burr or whatever. They, they were this band that, like, if I was a punk band, I wouldn't want to follow the police. Because it's like they were so, like, they were kind of like, like an arrowhead. Like, I love a trio where you can't. I remember hearing uh, about bands, you know, the kind of hipster bands when I moved to L.A. where they'd be like, you know, Ten members. When did you move? Uh, I was here in 2003. Oh, you talking like like Edward Sharp and the Magnetic Zero? Basically, yeah, I mean that was that was 08. Yeah. But and I and I I like them, but there were bands that were like, oh wait, there's one person that just plays two notes over and over the whole song, and you put them all together, yeah, and it makes a oh, melody. That's Frank our piccolo player, like, <laughs> and I'm on kazoo. He gets an equal share. Of the I get cut, an equal by the way. share. Um, yeah, this um, concert, this two thousand dollar pay concert, like, is split forty two times. <laughs> so there's like there's no fake. It with yeah. the police, like they're all they're all just so tight and so angry, and it's like I said, it's it's both it's both reggae and punk and pop, and uh, and it's it's angry and it's needy and it's 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 just like it's visceral. So we did Synchronicity, which is the yeah, that's last the one record, mm-hmm. and that is uh, if, from my understanding because we did it uh, what six seven months ago. It was like there was real hate between uh, them, yeah. and yeah. and I've always known mm-hmm. that the police have kind of rubbed each other the wrong way right. they all seem so different yes you know what i mean yes. sting is this very spiritual like in touch with himself uh like educated i mean especially yeah, yeah, by, yeah. by by if you go by the lyrics of synchronicity mm-hmm. and like like the the subject matter he's like quoting like goethe yeah and you're like all right dude all yeah, right, yeah. Okay. Stingy. Okay. Chill the, out. Stingy. The poetic soul of the German people. Yeah, you mean him? Yeah. Bro. Right. Yeah. Oh, is it what this this uh, this next song is about? Beyond Good and Evil <laughs> by Friedrich Nietzsche. Okay. But what I'm saying is like, so you have you have him. And, he, and, and side also, note, can I just say, uh, don't don't stand so close to me. All that song is saying. Hey man, when I used to teach high school, I could have got so much pussy. Like that's all that song is saying. Like you listen to that song, you're like, "All right, Sting, I get it." Yes, the undergraduate or the 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 the, the, the kids you 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 taught the girls, oh, he they wanted to fuck you so bad. Oh, handsome Sting. He wrote a song about it. Come meet, come meet. We can't do this. And meanwhile, this girl's like, "I have a boyfriend, Mr. Sting. I don't want to be here." You know, so like, you know, we can make this class pass fail if there's certain things that you can do. Yeah, I mean, I'd fix. The- can Paper? you unlock the classroom door? <laughs> I gotta go. I, My dad's here. I, for some reason, I feel like Sting has sex. This is such a weird reference, and hopefully you get it. Do you yeah. ever see Demolition Man? Yes. Do you remember when they put those headdresses on, and that's like the way they have sex in yeah, the yeah, future? Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, he does that. Totally. They don't touch. It's just like... Well, the, the whole thing of like him having... He's like, he's supposed to last hours, and it's like, yeah, but... I mean, there's only so much time in the day, and I feel like it's oh, just... Oh, not him. Oh, he's got time. <laughs> he, he wakes up I guess at, him like, and his four wife, in the morning. just like, he, we allot four hours a day. He does this shit. Crew. No one That's moves. how he works out. He's mm-hmm. in the boat, the long boat, and he has his yep. own lake. Yep. He does that. He comes home. He eats digestive. Mm, sure. The digestive cookies of course. from England. Yeah. Maybe a crumpet. Mm-hmm. Uh... <laughs> And then he reads for four hours, and then he fucks. Then for they fuck, the but but their the fucking is purely isometric. It's all core strength, and there's no thrusting. Funny they thing just, about they are just touching the whole time. <laughs> and after four hours, like it's almost it's so fast you can't see it, like a hummingbird. Yeah, they both just go, Duh! and they're both done, and then it's over. <laughs> Same time. And then they put on Real Housewives of Orange County because <laughs> then they bust said, out sometimes a I just huge like, bag I of Cheetos. Sometimes I just don't want to think. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I just want to put it on. Yeah. 
Well, hey, friends, my name is Zach Lupiton. You may know me from the band Dust Bowl Revival, but I also host a music discovery podcast called The Show on the Road. For the last five seasons, I've been able to dive deep and have intimate chats with folks like the Lumineers, Andy DeFranco, Wolfpack, Keb Moe, Lake Street Dive, Bela Fleck, and more. So guess what? After 150 conversations with some of my favorite songwriters from around the world, we are bringing brand new episodes to the Osiris Network. New interviews and intimate acoustic performances will be coming at you this summer. And which episodes are coming next, you ask? I am Zach Goody, the lead singer for the band Smash Mouth. Our band is called Milky Chance. We are based in Berlin. My name is David Shaw. I sing and write songs with my band, The Revivalists. Trust me, these conversations go some wild places. So subscribe to the show on the road on Osiris, and we'll see you soon. Hey, everyone. This is Tuck from Fit for a King in Off-Road Minivan. Every week I bring you fun interviews alongside your favorite metalcore entertainers with my new podcast, Get Tucked. Join me every Monday with bands like Counterparts, Crystal Lake, like Mods to Flames, and many more. We play unsigned and undiscovered bands, deep dive into each artist's history, and of course provide the greatest breakdowns in current metalcore. Tune in to Get Tucked every Monday, out now through Sound Talent Media. Um, so... So from so, but what I was really getting to sorry, was sorry. that do you no 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 that was great. What I was really getting to was like, do you think that even there was like they didn't dig each other making this record? I think it's more 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 generally speaking, they I don't think they liked anybody. I think that maybe they got along with people in the scene, but I'm sure there are people that would like, like like what are you mate? Are you, are you reggae? What are you? Are you are you ska? Yeah, because this punk? is this is different. Because it's a big this mix. This is as different as it gets. Yeah, where you could look at it, and it's I do kind of bristle sometimes at the kind of and it's, and it's everywhere, of course, with any white artist, but like of, with appropriation, you know. But like I feel like they do it so well, and they do that on and off thing, like like so lonely, you know. We'll get to it, but like I love how it's just a, a solid kind of reggae groove, and then it just boom, 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 and goes into a punk song. That song's like two songs. Yeah, and so and it's like. I don't know how a lot. I, most people couldn't make that work. The only people I've ever seen make that work is the or was Bad Brains, where you'd see them in concert and they would just do like eye against eye, and everyone's tearing each other's clothes off, and you're just sweating just like insanely yeah. and screaming, and then they go into a reggae number, and everyone just sways and steam just comes off the audience. Like yeah. I've never seen anything like that in my life, and so lonely was my first experience in, in that kind of thing where it works. Because it, it's so rare that it works where a band's like, we're punk and reggae. Like, if a band just said that, I'd be like, you need to leave. You have to, you have to keep... I don't want to hear any of your songs. You know, as you're saying all of this, it's like, I, I'm looking at when this came out. This came out November 2nd, 1978. This is their debut record. Mm-hmm. And you're like, you're like, like, what was going on with music at that time? And I mean, you have like post punk, yeah. And so you can disco still around. Disco still around, yeah. and 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 there's still like arena rock and all that shit for too. sure. You also had the the rise of Van Halen, who like I, I like David Lee Roth to me is always a guy who kind of he would kind of dog other bands like the Clash. Man, yeah. they don't even have fun, you know. <laughs> Just yeah. like he's good point, but he would probably say the same thing about the Police. They would never kind of get along. So I think you had. A lot of adversarial music, which in a sense made people write better songs. I think, sure. you know, in that age, in that era. You know? Sure. Um, I I think from listening to this one, and then because it's so funny that the way that I'm experiencing the police, mm-hmm. 
And I mean, experiences like digging into the albums because I knew all the hits. It's the same shit. I right. knew all of the course, hits. Of course. I had the greatest hits record, but to be able to dig into the record and to bookend it with first, third, last, and now listen to their first, uh, Synchronicity has some incredible songs on it. Mm-hmm. I, I think Synchronicity and this record have the exact same problem. The songs that are good are fucking incredible. Yeah. The songs that aren't. Oh, yeah. Which we'll get to. Yes. I just am kind of like, yeah, okay. But I can see. Mm-hmm. I can see why this band was so big. Because that's the yep. thing. It's kind of like it's kind of like when people that are younger than I am, you know, say, I don't I don't understand how the Beatles were are considered the biggest band of all time. And I'm like, well, you just, you know, like even I didn't get to experience it. Sure. But our parents and yeah. and knowing what they know and reading all the stuff about how big they were. Yeah. Like I feel like it's the same way with the police, where the police, you know. They this they weren't accepted right away, but when they were, yeah. they were like one of the biggest bands. Like they were the band yeah. of like the early eighties. Yeah, they were u- ubiquitous. You couldn't yeah. go a place without hearing. I remember hearing The Police and Thriller by Michael Jackson. Yeah, like in the early eighties. Like the, the, the Some you, Hall of Notes. You heard, oh yeah, and absolutely. If Hall of Notes. If you're in your mom's car absolutely. going on the way back from no, Athletic I, Express, I loved, I loved Hall of Notes too. My, but it's funny, my mom did like Hall of Notes. I remember that was one of the, the, the bands I could play, and she'd be like, "Oh yeah, leave this on." You know, Police. She'd be like, nah, "Get this my out mom, of here." My mom has such a Maryland accent. She was like, "Put on I can't go for that. <laughs> Put on I can't go." Game. <laughs> That's great. All right, let's dive into the record. Okay, let's go. Let's get into it. So it's um, so it opens up. With next to you, mm-hmm. this and I love what I wrote. This is how you introduce yourself to the world. Mm. Uh, play the intro, Peter. Everybody's tight. Everybody's exactly on the beat. The drummer's incredible. The guitarist is perfect, yeah. and this guy's like got this great kind of, kind of mildly rough rock and roll voice, yeah. And then, and as you listen to it, it's almost like if you were just like, "Hey, why don't why don't you uh, uh, Eddie Van Halen and uh, um, you know uh, John Bonham and uh, you, you guys want to just riff, want to play play a tune?" And like people that are like masters at their at their uh, at their instrument, but in a, but in a punk rock sense, yeah. Because the drum fills on this song are bananas. And there, I love a good fill that just tossed off like, yeah, I just this is how good I drum. I think I think this. Right, first of all, I, I I think Stuart Copeland is the best. I know you're going to say like they're all great musicians, but I think he's the best thing about this band. Just his style. Of I can't argue. And and just, I can't argue. Just the even this the the choice to open the record with this, in my opinion, uh, and this is a bold statement. Mm-hmm. This is the best song on the record. Wow. This, in my opinion, is the best song on the record. And it's just this simple song about trying to get into a lady's squigglies. Yeah. And it, yep. but it's also it's also the most the most pop oriented song of the whole whole album. In term in terms of in terms of like, you know, pop is short for popular. So this is a thing just like it's like do 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 do. You know, it's yeah. kind of Beach Boys ish. Yeah. All I want is to get next to go. Like it oh, has it's a, ca- oh, it's has catchy. a punk feel. It is catchy as it's fuck. It's catchy feel, but it's it, also but like it, it's kind of like it's kind of like hey, it's just fun. Just want to hang out with you. Like and then like a couple songs later, I'm gonna kill myself. <laughs> the song after this is stop fucking other men. I'm begging you, stop selling your body, girlfriend of mine. Know. You know. But it's like and even that has even this though it is the most poppy song. It still has a desperation. What can I do? 
All I want is to get next to you. Well, yeah. Tell me. Dude, dude. Like, so Sting in the song says, I've had a thousand girls or maybe more, but I've never felt like this before. <laughs> a thousand? That's a thousand. That's a, for his age. He was pretty young, but then that's 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 Wilt Chamberlain numbers. Is, you're is, stacking but up. this is what blew my mind. Like, as, I, as I saw that lyric, I was like, "Wait, was that was that all tantric?" Because think about this. So that experiences that's if every it's a it's, if every tantric experiences is six to eight hours long. Oh thousands of women. <laughs> it's like two years. He in, doesn't do anything but play music and screw. And fuck! It's two years S- continuously. Sting into is just pussy. always walking out of rooms, just sweaty and smelling like sex. And you're like, "Hey, man." Um, we're just we're just gonna get coffee. Could you have just not taken a shower? Could, you didn't take a shower before you got here. No, just got. We know what you got done doing, man. He always you smells smell like sex. So Dude, bad. You smell like Badussy. Well, what's Badussy? It's booty, <laughs> booty dick, dick, and, dick pussy. and pussy. Come on, man. So uh, it's got a slide guitar solo by Andy Sumner's, which drummer Stuart Copeland thought was old wave. Andy, wow. Yeah, only Andy and Stewart also wanted the song to be more political or aggressive, but Sting wouldn't compromise. Wow. Yeah. When have you compromised? Hmm. Oh. When, when have you been like, oh, schlacky, I'll doodle dacky for that? Yeah, I mean, I'm married, so it happens all the time. I mean, yeah. It's in life, but like in, in terms of in terms of art, I think, you know, I, I, I try to err on the side of not doing that. I mean, we can kind of do anything we want on, on stage, but yeah. I, 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 I kind of learned to kind of Costanza it, go against your instinct a little bit, you know? You know where Costanza and, and Seinfeld would just make the what he thought was the wrong choice and it yeah. would work out? Yeah. Like he acted like a bad boy and that chick was like, <laughs> all right, you know, into him all of a sudden. So it's it, I, I feel like uh, it's almost like, you know, don't, don't look at the crowd and go, I know what they'll like because you'll probably be wrong. You know, you do a joke that like it is a bunch of old people and you're like, I shouldn't curse. And like all they're doing is like, I'm out having a drink for the first time in Please 10 years. Talk about Please sex. Please talk about yeah. butt sex. Yeah. That's all I want to hear. I'm sick of my grandchildren. You know, have you seen my new hour? Why is why did you say butt sex? I don't, it's so... <laughs> well, I'm, 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 I'm plugging your new album. Fuck yeah, guys. <laughs> um, all right. That then goes into So Lonely. Yeah. Uh, this was the third and final single from the album. It's a reggae rock song about heartbreak, like you said, that mm. was recycled from the lyrics to a song Sting wrote in his jazz fusion rock band, Last Exit, called Fool in Love, which he grafted over the chords. This is interesting. And once I say this, you're never going to be able to unhear it. Okay. He grafted this over the chords of Bob Marley's No Woman, No Cry. Whoa. Yeah. So uh, play the play the best part, which is the calm before the storm at three fifty eight, Peter. No woman, no cry. That's amazing. No woman, no cry. Um, and I was, you know, I was driving over. I was thinking about the this song. How I do, I. <laughs> I do like how it's the, it's it's kind of pathetic that he's like just I'm so lonely over and over. Yeah. But it's it's universal, and I feel like he hits the the song hits the two notes of loneliness: a slow reggae mope, I'm so lonely, and just wild anxiety where he's like fuck 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 this <laughs> fuck this. Where is everyone? Why doesn't anyone like me? Like that's what the chorus is. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I, just, uh, that, I this was this was a song that that you know I think this is one of the better songs on the record. Uh, yeah. I, I it's it's also it's a great comparison from coming from uh, next to you mm-hmm. uh, and then into this. It, it's almost like I, I mean I'm I maybe they stacked all their singles up mm-hmm. top. Yeah. Just because I mean I've seen a lot of records do that so far on this sure. list. 
but it's 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 definitely it, it's good. It's a good song. Yeah. All right, let's go into Roxanne. Yeah. Now, whereas next to you is the best song on the record, mm. this is the most iconic. It's it's probably their biggest song of all yeah, time. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I... This is their Bohemian next Rhapsody. To you, next to you, Roxanne, I just personally love that the drums and everything yeah. that's going on in Next to You, whereas mm. Roxanne is it's just it's transcended the police it's just it's just in the stratosphere and it's a part of the world now yeah i mean it's like rocks roxanne is such a big hit i think we're all a little tired of it yeah it, it, even though how good it is oh I've... i will one of my favorite experiences though i had a friend who was in second city in the touring company and he was on a cruise ship and they had it in their contract where you could bring a spouse or a friend for a week and so they he was like oh you want to come and be on this ship with me for a yeah. week and i was like great and so i got to be on this cruise ship for a week doing nothing you know, like like uh, uh, hitting the buffet, basically, yeah, buffet and like uh, hanging out. And but he was like, "We're gonna get high, and I'm gonna take you to some of the other shows." And there was this, sh- and they were just they would, they were shows that were like basically like musical reviews where they would do like pop songs, but like opera style. And I remember being high, and like I'm in this ju- like this theater was so big, it was just insane. Like, how does this fit on a ship? This is so giant. Yeah, dude. And there's a balcony, and there's a dude on stage who's like doing the Romeo and Juliet thing, but he's up in the in the thing in the turret, and he's ripped, huge muscular arms and a tight vest, and he's just talking to the audience while this this man and woman are tangoing beneath the thing, and he, he's like. He walks the she or no she walks the streets at night for money. Now I'm super high, right? Yeah. And he's like, and she sleeps with other men. And you became jealous, and the jealousy will drive you mad, Roxanne. <laughs> and I'm just crying, laughing, and trying to keep because everyone around me, it's all like blue hairs, and they're very yeah. old, and they're just like this is they're nodding like this is powerful. I don't know this song. And I'm just shaking. And my buddy Kevin's just staring at me because he's already gone and he seen knows. the fucking yeah, he show. Knows. I did not see that the keening Roxanne come in. <laughs> I did not see that coming. And I'm just <laughs> crying laughing. But it's like, that's how big that song is. Yeah. Yeah. That, I, you know. So this was the song that Stewart's brother and their manager, Miles Copeland, heard that impressed him enough to get them their first single deal at AM Records that led to this album. Sting came up with this while walking through Paris on tour in 77 and wondering what it would be like to fall in love with one of the prostitutes he saw. Mm. The title was inspired by the lead female character in Cyrano de Bert, thank you, sure. as seen on an old poster in the hotel lobby. And Sting originally wrote it with a bossa nova rhythm until Stewart suggested that Sting play bass in the space between the beats even though it became a tango, it's still considered their first rock reggae song. Hmm. Yeah. Um, have you ever prostituted yourself for popularity? Uh, pretty much every day. That's how we pay the rent, right? You yeah. <laughs> yeah. know what we do. Is there one that just sticks out where you really felt dirty <laughs> oh, afterwards? Oh, Jesus Christ. Dude, I did. I, when I first moved to L.A., uh, I would, I, I, I'd. You know, I'll go out for commercials. Yeah. And, like, I, I was in an Altoids commercial where a, a, a chick slapped me across the face. Like, I, I was, like, uh, um, uh, the, the, I had to put a blindfold on, and this, like, giant, this giant Nordic woman, uh, real big hands, just rugged jaw, was a little older, uh, tall, like my height. And, and she's like, uh, try the first mint. And I put it on. I was like, that's okay. And then she opens it Altoids, and I try the other one. I put it on, and she puts a glove on and just smacks me across the face. And I'm like, 
I like that one. <laughs> you know, like, you know, like, I let, I like pain. You I want like to try breath savers? And, no, dear God, that, get it away. And that woman did not know how to stage slap. Like, stage slap, you just, just your fingers yeah. across the meat of the cheek. She fucking took my head sideways. Like, her she's whole a method, palm she's a method across actor, my ear. And I went, I was like, pop. And she almost knocked me off my chair. And I took off the blindfold <laughs> and I went, cut. And the, and the director's like, fuck, are you okay? And she's like, I'm so sorry. And I'm like, let me teach you how to. It's okay. But she rung my bell. But like, I did commercials like, oh, I was in a fucking Summer's Eve commercial, man. I was in a douche yes. ad. That is prostitution for sure. What, did, what, was, what, were you, what, what, were you, what was your character? It, 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 it was something like... Um, <laughs> I, I, it was something about misreading signals or something. Like I'm with my wife and she's like, oh, I think I'm going to take a hot bath. And I'm like, I go in the next room, like doing a little dance. Like I'm going to fuck. And I come out with all these oils and shit. And she's like getting out of the bath. and like, what are you doing? Or something. And it's like something like, uh, uh, read the signals, blah, like, like listen to your body sure. basically, which douching is bad for you. So your body's never telling you to douche it. Yeah. You that's know? what I heard. Yes. So it's like, I <laughs> You're I, a part of the problem. I did an ad for something that was toxic. You know what? You know the worst thing? <laughs> I was in DC in 2010, about a couple years after I did that thing, and I had I had a joke about doing about the douche ad, and um, I'd just been on a podcast earlier that day with with uh, uh, Ian Mackay from uh, Minor Threat. Minor Threat, yeah. And we got along, and we like exchanged information, and I and and like. He's like, when are you go? When are you? Where are you playing tonight? And I'm like, oh, I'm at the Black Cat with a bunch of other comics. He's nice. like, what time? And I'm like, oh, it's like 11:30 p.m. It's kind of late. He's like, dude, like looked at me like I'm a punk rock legend. I'm gonna fucking be there. It's a late show. What are you, who are you talking? Kind of yeah. like, kind of like clowned me a little, which I loved. So he shows up at the show and he sees me do the bit about the douche ad. And you know, for those that don't know, Fugazi and they minor threat are famous for being straight edge and never taking money from anything that was advertised. Yeah, I mean, Discord Records, everything has been, has been, they've done it themselves. Yes, there's no prostitution whatsoever. Is the point? I did the joke about doing the douche ad, you know, and uh, I get off stage and 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 he's like, "You're in a douche ad, man," and I was like, "Yeah, (laughs) fuck of all the people to be there to hear about it." Yeah, so yeah, I've, I felt like a whore. He's I like, sure have felt like, like a whore. I am out of here. You, he was laughing. You're the God, God bless him, but yeah. Hi, this is Chad Nicefield. And this is Justin Press. We're the host of Making Waves, the Shiprock Podcast, a part of the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. We're inviting you to sail away with us on an epic journey in musical enlightenment. Every week, we bring you only the best artists in rock music and discuss everything from the cruise to the stage to the saga of being a professional recording artist. We'll have lots of special guests along the way, so tune in every week. Your stateroom is available every Monday morning, so welcome aboard. I don't think it overstates things to say that the Beatles were the greatest gift to entertainment and culture of our time, a secular religion, if you will, with their universal appeal and demonstrable impact on people's lives. I'm Robert Rodriguez, host of Something About the Beatles. With every episode, I speak with historians, musicians, artists, and Beatle witnesses, all in the service of fresh insights into the most joyous cultural entity the world has ever known. I hope you'll join me and listen to something about the Beatles, now at Evergreen, and wherever you get your podcasts.
Fun fact about uh, Roxanne, when the police began recording the song, Sting accidentally sat on a piano in the recording studio, resulting in the piano chord and laughter you hear in the opening moments. Peter, play that part. (laughs) I love that. That's real. That's, I thought um, that was just like, oh, it's just that they're having fun. I thought that was this. just like a weird, fucked up chord they threw in there because it, it, sound, it sounds great. It's, it sounds incredible. It sounds like how you feel when you find out your girlfriend's been selling her body to other men. <laughs> that, that chord. Like, ugh. Like that, you what? You know, like you're like months in and she's like, I, okay. Honest talk time. Uh, we don't, we can cancel I've, Cinemax. We don't need this, honey. No, what are you, I, you said you liked the NFL package, <laughs> so I've been blowing guys in the parking lot oh, to pay for it. Yeah. I would rather not watch. We could go to a bar. <laughs> Honey, Jesus. All right. Uh, next song is Holding My Life. And in my opinion, this is probably the most upbeat song about depression. <laughs> uh, play the hook, Peter. This This is, in my opinion, this is Sting. This is Sting probably trying to push them a little bit more. Mm -hmm. Now, being that this song is kind of about the highs and lows in life, uh, you've had a lot of really cool highs. (laughs) Uh, You were a member of the Marvel Universe. Sure. Aloysius Samberly. Did I say it right? That's right. On Agent Carter. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, but also, you were a cast member on the last season of Mad TV. Yes. Were you aware and prepared that that was going to be the last season? You know, when they when I was hired, they only ordered half a season. So I was always like, yeah, I feel like the writing's on the wall. And uh, I was always grateful that they, they told everyone that the show was canceled on my day off. Like, I was at home, <laughs> and they'd called everybody into the soundstage. Hey, everyone. I am so sorry, you know, so, like, I've still never had, I've been on a ton of shows, but I've never been around when they've been like, we got canceled. Like, I was talking to John Cho once, who, like, been on so many shows, and he's like, you know, I just like to be on a show where the producer or the executive shows up and goes, we're a hit. <laughs> he's yeah, like, I've never dude. had that. I've been on so many shows where they come on, and it's like a suit we've never seen is like, want your attention. I'm <sighs> sorry. Go home, you know? And the thing is, the reason why I was happy that I wasn't there is because the people that do the real work, building the sets, you know, painting everything, the grips and all that stuff, all these people that have families and shit, like, there's so many people that worked on that show. I mean, us, us boneheads, we're going to get other work, you know? Yeah, us but... Us clowns. But in all honesty, it's funny you're saying that because those are the... They're going to find a job a lot easier. The you might grips, be right. They're a part of a union. You might be right. They have yeah. benefits right, right. because of the union. Mm-hmm. And you're, it's, you're the one. True. They were like, dude, should we bring Matt in? Like, no, dude. No, exactly. let's leave take him at home. Well, the guy, that, that was also the same the year. The guy's going to go back to douching commercials. <laughs> what the fuck are we going to do? <laughs> Jesus Christ. It's all he talks about. It's weird that he brags about those. I, when I, 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 that was the same year I did, uh, I did Letterman, too. So like, and I and I I did well, and I got called over to the couch, and I was the last guest of two thousand eight, and it was like this thing. Like to me, that felt bigger than Mad, than any any day working on Mad. I loved working on Mad, and like the thing about Mad that was awesome. I just was hanging out with one of the writers, Brian Bradley, uh, who's amazing, and all the writers were amazing. 
but the 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 problem was there was the, like a pie chart was almost like all right well 80% of it has to be pop culture reference stuff like Britney Spears parody song about how she accidentally microwaved her baby or while she yeah. was high or some you know not not great stuff but like i would see stacks of scripts that you'd read and you'd cry laughing and i remember being naive and being like that's getting in right after a table read and everyone's like no dude or like bobby lee being like no no it's yeah. like super funny the executives are going to shoot it down because it doesn't have anything to do with any pop culture. Did you have anything. a lot of stuff? Did you, you know? pitch a lot of stuff that just didn't make it? Yeah, but but I also I also had a kind of foolhardiness about myself where I was just like I just like silly bullshit. So let me let me make uh, let me make uh, uh, something up that's that, that's weird. Some of it was like kind of based on my life, but it was also like I I loved I re- that's the thing I really miss uh, being like you know how you riff with a friend and be like God that's such a funny idea. Like imagine if a producer passed you and was like Oh write that up. Yeah, let's shoot it. Yeah. You know, I, I don't know if I'll ever have that experience again. And I, I love just writing stuff down on, on my notepad and being like, this could be a sketch. All right. Uh, where are we? Oh, we're at Peanuts. <laughs> Peanuts. Now, this is the only Stuart Copeland co-write on the album. And it started with his lyrics as Rosie Lee. Sting rewrote them about his former idol, Rod Stewart, who had disappointed him by falling into an excessive celebrity lifestyle. According to Sting, I was more than willing to pass judgment on his extracurricular activities in the tabloids, never thinking for a moment that I would suffer the same distorted perceptions at their hands a few years later. Uh, here, play That's the, great. Isn't that great? Here, play, and you'll hear it if you listen to the chorus. Play yeah, the okay. chorus. Don't want to hear about the drugs you're taking, the love you're making, the life wow. you're faking, the muck you're raking. I never knew that was. It's, that. A, it's about Rod Stewart. It's a, and it's about uh, uh, getting crushed by your idol. Yeah, and 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 them falling out of your favor as a fan. Yeah, God, all their stuff is about how life is awful and 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 and, if, and, and disappointing. Have you not realized I that life it. is awful? I mean, no, of course it is. <laughs> it's awful. brutal. It's, life is it suffering. Is, it is. Buddha pain. said that. Yeah, dude. Buddha's never been wrong. Can't want anything. If you want something, yeah. then you're gonna feel pain. Exactly. So you gotta just be like, do, do you want this piece of pizza? Nope. Yeah. No, I do not. Mm-hmm. Do you want to have sex? Nope. Yep. I just want to be here and exist. The Ghetto Boys said you gotta let your nuts hang. Buddha said you gotta let your gut hang. Same thing. It's the deepest shit. The same. We're thing. turning that into a. They're fucking, the same people. We're turning that into an but, audiogram. Put that into the audiogram. Do it. Do it. But like, I I I, I love peanuts because it's nuts. I mean, to, excuse me, but like, it's bananas. Well, like, it's, it's punk. Just, this, it's, is, this, it's is, this, so is, this is this is this is this is this is It's punk, but then it's also got all the sting stuff in it, yeah. which is like little jazz elements, little bossa nova elements. It's just it's a it's it's that's why I think you you start seeing what this band is capable of right. and like I keep saying going to synchronicity this has more of a synchronicity feel yeah. than it has an outlandish feel now talking about criticism mm-hmm. what's the worst criticism you ever got oh I can tell you right now Hit it me. just came to mind <laughs> I uh, uh, was doing stand up at uh, at UCB a late show and like this was back in like you know maybe 2000 uh Probably, probably eight or nine. Back in what I was saying, the old, the old drunk days. Yeah. And uh, like, I, I, you know, if you had a late show and you're like, oh, you booked me for eleven, I was probably gonna show up at least half plastered. And like, 
I went up and it was like, this was back where it used to be like, they, God bless Besser and all of them, because they really liked stand ups and they would have stand ups on. But you'd have these improv people in the audience, arms crossed, like, what you do is trash. Like, they really hated you if you did stand up. And so I was fine. I was, you know, I did, I did well despite everything in a sense, but there were people that just fucking hated me. And to, to my credit, I got off stage and was like, I can't do comedy that way anymore. This is stupid, man. You know, yeah. and that, well, not that that was my good. crossroads, yeah. but it's like, it is that thing where it is, it is literally a crutch. It gives you liquid confidence, you know, but like <laughs> what? the next day, Tom Segura and I are walking around the Silver Lake Reservoir. We're just, we went and got coffee and lunch. We're walking around the we're reservoir. Both, by the time you were both and, fat asses. Yes. <laughs> so you had yeah. to walk. Tom still is. No, <laughs> he looks great. But like, no, we're, we're walking around and Tom had this bit going that w- was only making me laugh. Everyone else hated it because he would go up to any city worker that was inside. The city reservoir, if anyone knows, it, it, it's where they hold the water. You can't swim in it. Yeah. And Tom kept earnestly asking every employee, hey, how do I get in? We want to swim. And the guy would be like, you can't. And he's like, no, seriously. Is it, where's the door? You're in there. You know, every time we saw one. And so we're just walking around laughing, and we're in a great mood. Yeah. And I love Tom. So <laughs> this, this car drives by. Tom and I are just having a great day. You know, yeah. And that's speaking of when life is horrible. When you're having a great day, that's when just you're just going to get kicked right in the nuts. <laughs> This car drives by, two attractive young women, and this woman leans out and goes, I hate your comedy! And the car peels away. And w- what? And we, and like, and, and I, I remembered it that she said, your comedy sucks. Yeah. But Tom was like, no, because we were talking about it recently. We did this series uh, uh, called Behind the Bit for uh, Oh, yeah, our, our, our friend, my friend uh, Crystal Show. Yes, and so, uh, he, <laughs> so, he was like, the great thing is we don't know who that was for. It was for me, Tom. Tom, I will take this. Last night I, I sucked. It was me. <laughs> but you both, but you. Oh yeah, we didn't know we're both comedians. <laughs> you know, to this day we don't know. But, but I, you start, I know it. Was I know me. because you, I know because this was a this was a, a a super cute hipster chick. Definitely a UCB girl. Definitely was there. Yeah. Definitely fucking hates me. Probably definitely should have. And like, just I hate your comedy. Screamed, and then the car peels away. Oh. <laughs> and just, I remember being like, "Why would you be so cruel? That hurts so much." But now it's like, I, if if it didn't, especially after it, that show, oh, if it's a, God, like weeks when I later, already, you wouldn't even. I already said that to myself. I mean, I say that to myself yeah. weekly. I do but it like, every show. But it's like it was just it. That's that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's still, I look back on it and I, I don't even wince, I just laugh because it was so- It's hysterical. It was so mean. That's great. But it was so fantastic. <laughs> where right. she's like, like a drive-by. Like, no, that's him. Slow down, slow down, slow down. Your comedy sucks. Go, 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 go. Uh, all right. Something that I thought is very funny about this song is there's this weird sax playing at the end uh, that kind of- oh, It's so it, weird. It sounds like ducks fucking. Peter, yes. play a little bit of it real quick. Is that a mallard mating call? What is that? It sounds like a recorder with a condom around it. All right, where are we? <laughs> okay. Something really sad, though, about uh, this song and Sting's life, uh, a sad follow-up to Sting's unease about the tabloids even saw him going so far as to avoid them by missing both of his parents' funerals. 
Jesus Christ. Oh. Yeah, dude. That's a what the fuck sting. You know. But that's, God. You go to your parents' parents. funeral. You go to your parents' funeral. I mean, yeah. And that's funny that the next song is called Can't Stand Losing You, Mm -hmm. because obviously Sting can. Uh, So play the best part at 144, Peter. You'll be sorry when I'm dead, and all this guilt will be on your head. I guess you'd call it suicide, but I'm too full to swallow my pride. Best line is in the first verse, uh, though. Uh, I've called so many times today. I've called you so many times today. And I guess it's all true what your girlfriends say that you don't ever want to see me again. And your brother's going to kill me. And he's six feet 10. Yeah. I guess you'd call it cowardice. Uh, dude, Sting is 5'11. Yeah, it's a fucking guy. foot taller. Yes. That's not cowardice. That's no. smart. Yeah. That's, 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 <laughs> that's trying to make sure you don't die. Well, and I, the thing, the thing that we haven't touched on is the silliness of the police. Like, yeah, this is your brother's going to kill me, and he's six feet ten. It's such a, it's like a tossed off lyric that's just like, oh, this is dumb, but fuck it. But you know, you get it. Like, you get exactly what he's. It paints the picture. It paints the picture, and it's and it's and it's, yeah, it's it's fun. Like this, he's this person is, the the they definitely need to be broken up the way he's talking to her. Yeah. I mean, God, dude, you got to move on. He's got to move. He's got thousands he's doing, of girls, though. And what, he's doing what is he doing? <laughs> Sting? Yeah. yeah. Thousands. Why are you tripping off this bitch? Come on, dude. I think if you asked him, though, like, what is your writing process? He would be like, uh, I write from the perspective of, of a, a man who doesn't fuck. <laughs> oh, okay. So not you. So okay. not you. Ah, got it. <laughs> All right. After their first single, Roxanne, sort of failed. The label gave them one more chance, and this was the hit that got them their record contract. That's wild. It's crazy. It was met with controversy because it mentioned suicide, and the vinyl single sleeve had a photo of Stuart Copeland hanging from a noose. Whoa. I mean, maybe they could chose, you know, a different picture. Even though this and Roxanne weren't banned from the BBC, they spread the rumor that they were to boost their punk credibility. Nice. It, it is it is very punk rock because it's 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 very angry, it's very selfish, and we've all had you know, when you when you fantasize about killing yourself as a kid, I I feel we all kind of share this. Your thing is, man, what if I kill myself? Everybody'd be so sad. Mom, dad be like, uh, why didn't I let him Cinnamon Toast Crunch. <laughs> I should have given him Cinnamon Toast Crunch. <laughs> yeah. Like that's the fantasy when you're when you're like like and I, I've I've talked to other people who had this, but it's like you don't you don't think about when you're that age. Everything's eternal. Nothing's gonna end. Oh yeah, fun is forever. So if I kill myself, I'll still be around. As a ghost, laughing at everybody. Yeah, yeah, you're crying. <laughs> How do you, uh-huh. Are you so, inside my head right yeah, now? Yeah, so it's like him, <laughs> him just saying, "You'll be sorry when I'm dead," and all this guilt will be on your head. Like, what a fucked up thing to say. What a childish thing to say. Yeah. But that's why I kind of dug that part as a kid. It's like, yeah, man, this guy gets it. He does get it. You know? Great song. Great. Yeah. It's a great song. Well, yeah. It, this, this is. I mean, this is one of their most iconic songs. Absolutely. Like, this is on the greatest hits. Um, all right. And now we're starting to get into the songs yeah. that where I feel like the album is taking a little. Yeah. It's not going down. It doesn't suck. These all all are good songs, mm-hmm. except for one, which I'll talk about. Two, oh, I'm exci- actually. I'm excited to find out what they are. Oh, come on, dude. You already know. <laughs> come on, dude. All right. Truth hits everybody. Yeah. Uh, Peter, play the chorus. <laughs> Oh, 
because this isn't where the album starts to shit because this is a good song. Yeah, this, this is a really good this song. This is a really good song. This yeah. is an existential rocker. It started as Truth Kills for Sting's former band, Last Exit, based on the phrase, Truth Kills Everybody by poet Ted Hughes. Huh. Um, yeah, great song. Um, I, don't, I don't know. Well, it's, it's at, you know, like the, the old phrase, say about it? Uh, uh, all killer, no filler. Like, it's just, it's all there. Yeah, it's it's it all rips. there. And it was like, I remember walking, going, and going, I, I couldn't remember how, when I was kind of getting ready for this, because I've listened to this album a lot over the last couple of days, which has been great. Yeah. I, haven't, I haven't really done that where I've concentrated on one album and been like, oh, it's fun. Listen. Yeah, it's, I it's, love a lot it. of, it's a lot of fun. I, I, I like just listening to it as a piece, as a, a whole art piece. But I couldn't remember how the chorus for Truth Hits Everybody goes. But it's like, oh, because he just comes in just after. You know what I mean? I'm like, truth, it's it. Nope. Truth, it's it. Nope. Can't. Truth, it's everybody. <laughs> yeah. Truth, it's it's like it's like whoop. He like comes in at like a half beat in. Yeah. And that's that's why it sounds so hot. That's why yeah. it sounds so cool with the and with the whoa. You know, like that's <laughs> that toss off. I it's love it. It's a great that. song. I should really have is. said that at the beginning. Now, but you are you're we're we're you're wading into the waters. Um, yeah, I'm 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 easing in. This and is now, this is like those bands that drink while they're playing. You know what I mean? And like near the end of the set, you're like, man, why did you guys do all those shots yeah. during those earlier songs? <laughs> what is this you're playing now? Because get ready for the shittiest song. Uh, start of the shittiest song on the records. I got to say it like that. Yep. Born in the 50s, play the chorus. <laughs> It's not a bad song. Sure. But it's just, it's cheesy in yeah. retrospect. It's cheesy when you put it next to Can't Stand Losing You. Yeah. Uh, next to you, fucking and it, Roxanne. It's boring. Yeah. It's, it's also, it's just like it, the, the, the melody's boring. The, the, the message, sure. Yeah. Uh, youth unite, all that jazz. But like, it's just, even just the chord progression in the, in the, in the chorus. Yeah. And the singing, you just sing it a register higher. That's it. It's it's. One I don't of, like it. Yeah, it's 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 just one of those songs that I just don't fuck with. Now there are some funny things about it. Weird lines. Uh, oh, we hated our ants, then we messed in our pants. Yeah, that's real. He wrote that. Uh, Sting. You know, and it's funny. Sting wrote only that. Baby, a guy. A guy. Only, <laughs> that's interesting. A scientific fact. Only babies born in the fifties shit their pants. After that, no, we none. <laughs> we shit out our dicks. <laughs> Porn, Satan, drugs, therapy. It's not just the list of what I'm up to this weekend. I'm comedian Kiki Anderson, and those are just a handful of the taboo topics I've poked and prodded at so far on my podcast, Indecent, the show where we peel at the wallpaper of polite society. Each episode digs into the dark underbelly of our culture to dissect the things we aren't allowed to talk about around the dinner table, featuring conversations with comedians, activists, journalists, academics. They all help me figure out the who, what, and why behind what is and isn't acceptable behavior. Indecent with Kiki Anderson, where NSFW meets LMAO. Mwah. Ironically, Andy Summers was actually born in 1942. Isn't that funny? Wow. Yeah. yeah. All right, now I feel like we've officially come to the shittiest song yes. on, the, on the record. Be My Girl Sally. Oof. The song is weird as fuck. It opens with what you think is going to be, dude, this song is going to rip. Yes. Sting comes in with this fucking melt your fucking face thing, 
And then it turns into an English English lit professor yep. reciting a poem about marrying and managing a relationship with an inflatable sex doll. Peter, play a little bit of it. I was blue and lonely. I couldn't sleep a wink. And I could only get unconscious if I'd had too much to drink. There was somehow something wrong somewhere. This is why it's fucking brutal. British people are interesting. <laughs> Only a British voice can recite a poem in the middle of a song. If, like, Toby Keith tried to do this, and he was like, In the stars and straps! And then it brings it down. She came all wrapped in a cardboard box. Like, that's just not all pink and shriveled down. A breath of air was all she needed to make her lose that frown. <laughs> it actually sounds better. Yeah. I mean, it's this is this is the quintessential... If they do it live, this is the bathroom song. This is oh my time God. to go piss, you know? dude. This is the most Spoogle song on the record. Uh, not a fan of it, but it, it really helped me come up with a great question for you because okay. you have a very very interesting life. Um, and Thank since you. this song is about a blow up doll, mm -hmm. you were in a relationship that blew up. Yes, but now yes, <laughs> you're <laughs> happily married. Yeah, yeah. Uh, to your ex manager. Yes, correct. Mm -hmm. How did that whole thing happen? Uh, we carried on a secret affair that affair? all of our friends knew about. <laughs> and uh, yeah, sting like, of no you. one knows. <laughs> I was like, you idiot. <laughs> and uh, I was, I went, we're married now. I was at her first wedding. Uh, probably top 10 drunkest I've ever been in my life. And anyone that knows me knows that is saying something. Yeah, dude. And uh because I wasn't for I was doing that quintessential male thing where I wasn't being honest with myself, just like oh this is just a fling and not really realizing where my heart lay. You know we had an on again off again thing. She got divorced and then we just we we broke up for like eight months, got back together and we're decided never to work together again. And that was a secret sauce. And that was years ago and we're married and everything's gravy. But it was it was that thing where it was like a a, a fight for on and off for years, uh, where you know. I, I wasn't the best person. Um, she wasn't, you know, um, uh, uh, in in in, a, in that good of a place and things like that. But it, you know, it's 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 one of those things that um, that worked out amazingly. Um, but can I can I tell a blow up doll story real yeah, quick? Please. Okay, this is my favorite thing. Not to build up too much, but um, my my uh, my friend uh, Lance, who's an actor, plays the dad on um, Little Sheldon. Okay, uh, is that it, Little Sheldon? Yeah, so uh, he and a bunch of friends took acid, and uh, one guy was his birthday, and you know they're just like having beers and stuff. And one guy brought us a joke to give the guy birthday boy here, you know, here's a blow up doll, and they blew it up like ha ha funny. And uh, Lance goes picked up the blow up doll, and was like, guys, like guys, leave me alone with my girlfriend. And he went in a room and shut the door, and that was like a running joke throughout the night that someone eventually, no matter what they were all doing, would be like, just leave me and my girlfriend the fuck alone yeah. and pick her up and leave, you know? And then he'd come back in laughing. <laughs> and then one guy picked up, and I heard this word of mouth. I was not there. Oh, okay. Picked up the little doll and was like, leave me and my girlfriend alone. And I think by then they'd been drinking and stuff. And he goes in the room and shuts the door. And they're like hanging out for a while. And he, the guy's just not coming out. And they're like, what? What's he doing? And the door's locked. And they're like, hey, man. <laughs> You took the joke pretty far. And they went around the side of the house, and they looked in the window, and he's he's having marital relations. He's actually having sex with a blow-up doll. And the funniest part of the whole fucking story is that- She was enjoying it. <laughs> she came to life, and now she is his bride. Podcast ends right there. No, like, he- 
he turned and saw them in the window looking at him fucking this blow up doll and he looks at them sincerely and was like guys <laughs> like, like like with a look of like what's wrong with you like I don't know how twisted his brain was that he thought this was a real person but he's just like oh you're gonna watch us have sex dude we're enjoying ourselves like hey man we were you know they were mostly looking to make sure he was okay yeah. they're banging on the door and he's not answering it's just like you know, sometimes people have seizures or they die sure. suddenly with the heavy drug use and shit. They didn't know. They did not expect to see him fucking. Well, what happened after, after? When he walks out. I don't. The story ends. I got to gotta follow up you with you follow next, up when, with next time I see you at the store. I'll text Lance Please and be like, God. hey, what happened with your weird friend? All right. Last song on the record. Masoka Tanga. I think I said that right. Uh, so what I read about this was that this whole song was ad-libbed in the studio. What I can say for a fact is that it does showcase the musical chops, especially Sting's amazing bass playing. Yeah. Play some of his bass shit around 50 seconds. What's amazing about this is that on the original Japanese vinyl only release of the album, the Japanese distributor paid an English speaker to interpret the gibberish lyrics, which resulted in such great lines like kicking a wall, baby, cause I'm gay. I broke all my watai lay dough. I swear to God. Wow. Kicking a wall, baby, cause I'm gay. I broke all my watai lay dough. Wow. Oh, and there's more. I pissed on my walk on my ass all day. Yep. I stumble back home past my door. And then there's another section. Don't know why my white car won't stay clean. I don't know for what I do. That's that. Those last two lines are kind of genius. They are genius. You know? Good song. It's it's definitely, like I said, this is where the album is starting to take a little, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it's, little. Sh- it's, it's weird, but I, I don't. Like hate it. No, I don't hate. I don't, a, I don't hate the song. It's I don't, not I, an immediate skip. I, I skip like the last Sally. song. Yes, I skip Sally. Yes. Born in the fifties. After I listened to it about seven times over the course of listening to this yeah. album, I was like, "All right, moving on. I've yes. got it." Mm-hmm. Um, but this one, I I left on. Now, you being that this song is about the negative effects of drug use, right. from what they're saying. Yes. Will you please tell me your Fourth of July shroom story? Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll truncate it, please. Yes. But yeah, my, my now wife and I went to a, uh, I went to a barbecue and we, we ate a bunch of mushrooms and it was one of those was things it, Wait, where, was it, was it, uh, Nate Craig's and we started at Nate Craig's and it was that thing uh, as I describe it, it's a, it's, you know, what, uh, um, Atlas Huxley would call a heroic dose. Like I took too much, yeah. uh, and you know where everything's kind of vibrating and you're you're kind of drinking to temper it a little bit. Yeah. So you know, uh, but the thing about mushrooms is it's almost it's like coke. You can drink a ton on it, and uh, it's or speed. Um, don't do drugs, kids. But we're at Nate's. We're having a great time. And then one thing about Kara, she's always been the person that's like like knows when to pull the ripcord or like we need a different scene. And so we're like, all right, these guys are going to uh, Cornell Reed's house, and we're like, okay. And and he just got this house that's like up on a hill. Uh, him and his then wife and, and a little pool. And it was way on the east side. So we took this long, long cab ride that I was like in hell. Like, this is awful. When is this traffic going to end? Yeah. Why am I in L.A.? You know, and we get there and I started just uh, 
saying things out loud with strangers around where I was so high, as I say, like, you know, um, that I, that I, I, I was looking at fireworks and uh, just believing it was something that uh, God did, like oh. rain or the stars above. And I was like, why doesn't God do this more than once a year, man? <laughs> and a guy's next to me was like, what? And I remember yeah. earlier I had a flashback to being at Nate's house and being like, um, uh, God, what did I say? I, I have the whole thing. It's, a, it's an old joke that I've kind of kind of wiped away. But the crux of it is my wife finally was like, all right, we got to go home. You're being ridiculous. And I went and I uh, I tried going on the Domino's website and I couldn't enter my name or my or my address or things like that. And the guy who was like dancing around the screen and shrugging, you know, it looked like he was mocking me. And yeah. I almost <laughs> threw my laptop out the window and I just picked up my phone and went, fuck it. I'm just going to call him. And my wife goes, what? Like, as if I said, I'm just going to kill a horse with yeah. a sword and roast his flesh and make horse burns. They'll know. You can't talk to people. No. You can't even dial a phone. And she, meanwhile, she's wrapped in a fake uh, fur purple blanket like Grimace passed out on the ground like, just with her face showing. <laughs> and so I called him. And, and the thing I, I realized later is that, you know, if you call Domino's, they have your shit. They have all your your number on file. They have your old orders, whatever. Yeah. So it rang twice. And the guy picked up and went, what's up, Matt? And I screamed so loud, <laughs> the glass in my house almost shattered. And, <laughs> and I was like, are you outside? You never take me alive, motherfucker. You know, got this all. And he's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. And basically the joke that I tell is that he was trained for the, that eventuality. Like he started, literally was like, hey, man, hey, hey, hey. Like kind of sing tone haying me. I'm serious. So I was like, hey, man. And he's like, what's wrong? And I'm like, it's bad, man. It's so bad. And he's like, what is it? I'm like, hungry. Got a hungry girl. And he's like, all right. What, what are you hungry for? And I'm like, I can't remember why I called him. And then I was just like, oh, fuck, it hit me. And I'm like, pizza. And the guy goes, we got all the pizza, man. <laughs> like, he said that to me. He's like a wizard guiding me down the path. Oh. You know? yeah, so. How was the pizza that night? Mind-blowing. Phenomenal. Mind-blowing, yeah. All right, you want to do some facts and get out of here? Let's do it. All right. Uh, with some facts and facts and facts. And some facts and facts. All right. Sting admittedly began the police as a vehicle for his own success and had no problem admitting that ambition is stronger than friendship. He further wow. said, as long as the group is useful for my career, I'll stay. When it isn't, I'll drop it like a stone. You originally, <sighs> yeah, isn't that crazy? <laughs> um, you originally started out in comedy doing improv, mm -hmm. which is a collaborative effort, but yes. then switched to stand-up, yes. which, of course, is solo deep. How and why did that happen? It's funny. I started out doing uh, doing improv at the Improv Olympic, and you know, I took all five levels, and the last level I studied under Del Close. What level did they introduce Xenu? Um, <laughs> that's the sixth that I wouldn't take. Oh. It's funny, like, but like, you know, like Dell was like the guy, and he died months after teaching me in that class. Wow! And he taught everybody, Belushi and and Farley. And, yeah, he's and, the he's the guy. He's I the see guy. He's yeah, the yeah, and 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 uh, they added a sixth level, and I was like, I'm on this team now. I'm just not going to take it, and and I was also kind of getting jaded with it. Uh, I didn't really. I was. I'd started doing stand up and everything, and then. Uh, the the coach called me and said, "Like you got to take uh, since you're you're not taking level six, you're off the team. But if you take level six, you can go on the team." And I'm just like, "No thanks." And like, 
that's when I jokingly say, like, that's when my lightsaber turned from green to red, where I'm like, I'm a stand-up now, and I put the fucking hood up and joined the Sith. And I was like, fuck you guys. Because I remember that back then, the one thing I love about, like, the UCB is, like, they have stand-ups and imp- imp- improv and yeah. sketch. Man, back in Chicago in those days, Hatfields and McCoys, if you were stand-up, according to improv people, you were you sucked. And then stand-ups kind of felt the same way. And I remember a stand-up being like, yeah, improv, great. Yeah, my one bowl of stand-up is funnier than your five fucking bowls of improv. And I, I remember him saying that, and it was like, it was it got a big laugh because Chicago was improv town, but it was also, I think it's comedy town. And and now everyone does everything, everybody does everything matter, which yeah. is how it should be. But me kind of just doing stand-up, it was it was like it was a choice, and and I loved it because I it was you know it was just me. I'm an only child anyway. I'm already addicted to attention and. Honestly, with an improv team, like, God bless improvisers, but you got to practice with them and stuff. And if you get along well, great. I will say, God, that that sting quote is is kind of fantastic because it's so honest. Yeah. I think more 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 often than not, people would have that that thought feeling in their heart. Probably Lionel Richie had that feeling with the Commodores. Yeah. It was like, I'm going to drop. <laughs> I will drop them like a stone. He really was born in the wrong time. He should be living in medieval times. Like as a king, oh, he was. and have people thrown he was, into he was the moat. Joffrey, shit. dude, he's King Joffrey. Without, a, but as a man, yeah, without a doubt, <laughs> for sure. All right. While backstage, getting ready to play a couple songs from this album for their first British TV appearance on the Grey Whistle Test program, is a hard one to say. Wow. Sting had a can of hairspray explode in his face after being rushed to the hospital. He played the show wearing a big pair of sunglasses over his swollen eyes. Yeah, it's true. Wow. What's the worst accident you've ever had? Uh, I've dislocated my knees. You know, each one. Not at the same time, but like just. my, my I'm, I'm shaped like a lava lamp. Like, my knees go in. I'm very, like, knock-kneed. So, like, when I tried playing basketball and, like, you know, or I tried playing football, it was just like, you know, like, we just. Ow, and then you know, got to reset it and everything. Yeah. I, before I went in for Mad TV, I slipped in the bathroom and my knee went out. And then I had to, I straightened my leg and went back in. And I stood up and I was like, that didn't fucking happen. That didn't fucking happen. I'm going into Mad TV tomorrow. I'm fucking fine. And I remember I was walking around my apartment fine. I don't know if I was, but the next day I was like, you know, when you put your weight on one foot and you're like, you can't put weight on that leg. Oh man. my God. And I stood up and I had an audition for a show that morning. And then I, that afternoon I was testing on Mad TV and I'm, I got my hands on the walls walking. I drove there and stood up hopping, hopping to one audition. Yeah. And I called Kara, my wife, then manager, before we were ever dating, way back in 2000, I think seven or eight. And I told her what happened. She's like, where are you? I'll fucking bring you crutches. Just stay where you are. And she like brought, like she bought crutches and gave them to me. And I went, I went in to, I, I tested for, if people don't know, that that's the final stage yeah, of auditioning. Yeah, that's the big deal. Where you're in Everybody's front of there. all the executives yeah. and everything. So they screen test you. And I went in on crutches and they're, they're already starting to laugh. They're like, he's doing a character. <laughs> I'm like, no, I'm literally crippled. You fucking assholes! <laughs> My knees and, pop, and I and I yeah, and I and I you know uh, th- I I a week later I was in this this uh, comedy festival. I think it's in Nebraska. It's in Johnny Carson's hometown. It's this giant theater. I'd never played a place that big, and it was me and a bunch of other comics, and like Dick Cavett was there and stuff. And I came out to do my comedy. I come out on crutches. Whole place is already laughing. I'm just like, what the fuck? What is wrong with people? Like who- he's shaped like a lava Why? lamp too. And it can't stand. Is that like, the guy from the douche commercial? Yeah. <laughs> 
and and I got somebody it. smack him. I got off stage <laughs> and I got the phone call that I booked Mad TV and I'm just on crutches. I'm just like, oh, what a great way to fucking. Get I mean, it, dude. honestly, yeah, because you probably felt like shit being oh. like, dude, they weren't even laughing at my jokes. They were laughing at my well, pain. I mean, it was like I called them out on it. Like, this is real. I'm actually injured. You guys are terrible. You know, but like it, it gave me insight into like what we laugh at. Yeah. As a, as a race of humans, you know, yeah. someone could come out, you know, missing an eye. Hey, it's a pirate. I'm literally, it's a husk. There's nothing there. It's for you I have this pack. Fuck you guys. Yeah. Dude, this was so great. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much for coming on, dude. I had a blast. Thanks, for, ha My thanks for having me on, dude. What did I tell you? What did I tell you? I can't escape a dabba dooba dee. I just love that so much. Find Matt on all social media at B-R-A-U-N-G-R at Bronger. Listen to his new comedy special, Please Hold Me. Make sure you guys watch Matt Bronger finally live in Portland. And check out his podcast, This Might Help, formerly known as Advice from a Dipshit with Matt Bronger. Go on his social media, show him love. Tell him that you love this episode, guys. Be a nicey. Be a true doog. Because I know you guys are my true doogs. Don't forget to subscribe on Spotify to the 500 now. We just listened to The Police from 1978. This week, music director Little Matty Pinfield chose The Unlikely Candidates. It's a five-piece band out of Texas with early police vibes. Check out their single, Novocaine. It's the number one alternative song in the country and has been slowly climbing the charts for 35 weeks. Check out the link on our website, the500podcast.com. Him. And if you're in a band and were directly influenced by one of these albums or artists and you want your music featured on the 500 website, send your song to 500podcasts at gmail.com and make sure you put the album and artist that influenced you in the subject line. Next week is Peter Wolf Week with his 2002 album, Sleepless. So y'all got some homework to do. Listen to the album on Spotify. Dougal, Dougal. Oh, yeah, stay fleecy. This is Krista Makes, guitarist and vocalist for Less Than Jake, and host of Krista Makes a Podcast, a songwriting podcast where every week I'm joined by an amazing guest to break down the writing, recording, and release of one iconic song from their career. In our giant, evergreen back catalog of episodes, we've had rock legends such as Dee Snyder and Huey Lewis, punk rock favorites like Mark Hoppus, Fat Mike, and Brett Gurowitz, and up-and-coming artists of today such as Liz Stokes of The Beths and Genesis Owusu. We've had guests from all genres and styles of music, and I guarantee that if you peruse our back catalog, you'll see several episodes that'll make you say, man, I gotta hear that. Whether you're a fan of music, or a creator of music yourself, you'll take away a whole new appreciation for the songs you know and love. Chris Makes a Podcast is available for free on all the places you could possibly listen to podcasts, and new episodes come out every Monday. Welcome to us talking about our podcast for a minute. What's the name of that podcast? That's Axe to Grind, uh, and right now you're going to be getting a little... A little taste of it, right down to the shaky microphone and all. <laughs> and my name's Bob. And my name's Patrick, and usually we're joined by Tom. 
Tom's the best. Tom has a real grown-up job that requires him to be at work. But we talk about decidedly not-so-grown-up things like... Hardcore music and things that people that like hardcore music tend to like. So that could be the latest shows, uh, revisiting classic material, talking about the new classics, um, all the little dorm room nonsense that you imagine from a niche music podcast that, that you either love, want to love, or hate. Yeah, imagine all the emotions that you have towards a genre that, that uh, has impacted your life uh, and then condense them down to an hour to two hours a week. So triangulate your speakers, think about jumping off the bed, singing along, dancing like an idiot, and listen to Axe for Grind podcast. Next chapter podcasts.